Well, amen, he is worthy, and of course we're here to worship him tonight. Let me uh, encourage you, on Wednesday nights we're going to be doing a little bit more prayer time in the beginning, but let me encourage you to uh, notify the church ahead of time of requests and things you may have. Uh, you can contact the office or notify the church of different specific prayer requests, and then the pastor's going to highlight those, and we'll have prayer sheets out, of course, in the lobby. We've been having them out there anyway, but that way we can get your prayer requests on there, and we can lift, lift things up to the Lord in prayer. Uh, but prayer accomplishes much. We saw that through our pastor while he was in Dubai, uh, just the increase in prayer and just putting time into that and to see God answer that. And so it's exciting. Uh, but let me challenge you to do that and just to keep praying. You know, sometimes we, we, you know, a lot of us, we prayed three times a day for the last two months over a certain, you know, over pastor and over different things. Just encourage you to keep praying. Uh, keep, try to keep that as a habit. You know, they say it takes, if you do something for 21 days, they say that it'll, it'll develop that habit in your life at least. And so we've, we've done it for more than 21 days, so let's try to keep it up and just keep praying for different needs. I don't know about you, but my prayer list is bigger than I can accomplish sometimes. You know, I have, uh, I break, break mine down just like our prayer list. We break it down into Monday through Saturday and have different days. You pray for different things. I do that with my personal prayer sheet as well. I break it up sometimes because I can't, necessarily have time to go through the whole list every morning or night, but I try to break it up by days. And I don't know about you, my prayer list never gets shorter. I mean, people, prayer gets answered, but then I, um, I always replace it with other people that have asked me uh, to pray for a certain situation. But the prayer is important. It's, what, it's where we get our strength from, and we turn it over to God. Well, tonight, uh, last week we looked a little bit about biblical, a short overview of biblical living. Today we're going to look at, uh, tonight we're going to look at biblical wisdom a little bit uh, from, the, from the scripture. Uh, we're going to start off in James chapter 1, so if you want to turn there to James chapter 1. While you're turning there, I looked up a couple quotes on uh, wisdom. I don't know how helpful they'll be, but here's a couple. I'm sure you've heard them before because they're all out there circulating, but it says a smart person knows what to, to say. A wise person knows whether to say it or not. I might have that. Um, I've seen this one a few times. Of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. You know, that's a good ending. Um, experience is a hard teacher because she gives the test first and then the lesson comes afterwards. Don't even think about that in life. And this one, this might be a little politically incorrect today because it's by Dr. Seuss, okay? But it says, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. And for the Christian, we want to steer our, direct, our, uh, our life into God's direction. So obviously we're going to, to God and to the, uh, to the Bible to get where our wisdom is coming from. But, you know, a lot of wisdom in this life is just common sense. You know, knowing, uh, knowing when to bridle our tongue, knowing when to, to do things. But God has wisdom in the scripture for every aspect of our life. And that's our, for the Christian, it's our ultimate uh, authority is the Bible, the word of God. But uh, let me pray just before I start on the lesson, and then we'll get going. Heavenly Father, I praise you for the privilege to be able to speak tonight. I pray, Lord, you guide my words and my thoughts. Help me to say only what you'd have me to say. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this lesson, Lord. Uh, even though it's a simple message for tonight, but maybe it'll uh, prompt somebody to spend some more time in Scripture looking at what you have to say about the subject of wisdom. And Lord, we thank you that you do give us wisdom, and you are the source of wisdom. We praise you for that. I pray for our pastor, continue to strengthen his lungs, thankful that he's here and that he's uh, able to do some things in the services and stuff, and we just pray you continue to strengthen him physically, and Lord, we're thankful for that. 
I pray for each person here and the needs they might have. Lord, uh, probably many unspoken requests and different things. pray you'd meet those needs and help them tonight. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you. Like that song said, we know you are worthy, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, if you're in, if you're in um, for, uh, James, I'm sorry, chapter 1, our first point tonight is just the source, and we're talking about biblical wisdom, so I think you already know the answer without me telling you who the source of wisdom is, but let's take a look, a look at it here in the Bible. In um, James 1, 5, it says this, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This has become one of my life verses. I think I've shared that with you before. But a lot of situations I lack wisdom in. And I find that when you call out to God, he will give it to you. It says here that he will give to all liberally. That means he's not stingy with the wisdom. He'll give it to us if we ask him. And then upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. See, we have to have confidence that God will give us the wisdom for that specific time in our life. Every area, era of our lives, everything that goes on in our lives, there's different things to, uh, to consider. Um, and when we ask God for wisdom while the thing is small, we can solve it uh, with God's help. And it take, keeps it from getting, becoming a big problem that we, God says, well, you should have got me involved a little sooner and uh, things would have gone better. But a lot of times we make decisions based on feeling. Or we make a decision based on um, um, what we think is good in, in a given situation. But really, we need God's wisdom so that we will, we will do it his way. See, God, God sees all. We are limited. We are finite. God sees all. Remember, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. So he's everywhere. He can be everywhere at once. You and I can't be everywhere at once. And, um, you know, he's between being all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful, which is omnipotent, He's all-powerful. Um, our God is just the ultimate source for this. If you go a little further here in verse 6, it says, uh, talking about wisdom, it says, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, we're doing it through faith. When we ask of God, it's also humbling, because we, we admit to God. He already knows, but we admit to God we're limited and we need his help. We need his wisdom. You know, there's nobody in this room that could be have wisdom on every situation, everything that's going on in your life. There's no way, and, 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 and the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. So see, if I don't know about something and I go to God on the source, but I can also go to another Christian that's been through that, and they can encourage me with Bible verses and things. Now, we talked about being, uh, before, about being uh, exhorting one another. One of the ways we exhort one another is to say, here's where God showed me wisdom in this area, and we used it. I, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic because we're going to be looking in Proverbs in a, in a minute, which in Proverbs, a lot of it was written by Solomon. And Solomon was, the Bible talks about him being the wisest man, but did he really use that wisdom completely in a great way? And the answer, I think you would know if you know anything about Solomon's life, he didn't always use it wisely. He knew though he had the wisdom because he asked of God and God gave it to him, but he didn't always apply it in his personal life. And I think we have to be careful because, you know, there's a difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. Knowledge is knowing about something where wisdom is, um, you know, using God's information to handle that correctly. Because you can have knowledge. Uh, like, for example, I know, I, I know from my head knowledge that I'm, I need to keep oil in my car. But if I never have the wisdom to go check the dipstick to see if I have oil in my car, my engine could burn up, right? 
I could have the knowledge knowing, hey, I've got to keep oil in my car, I've got to keep water in my car. Uh, in my family, it's kind of, uh, we do it a lot more often because we've driven a lot of older cars, so we know it uses oil, it uses water. You've got to check it or else, you know, you're going to be in trouble. But see, we can have the knowledge to do something, but if we don't apply it, then we're not using the wisdom uh, efficiently, as you'd say. Then verse 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And it goes on to say, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So a couple things out of that that I get is that God wants us to go to him to get the wisdom, obviously. It says, let, in verse 5, it said, Let him ask of God. It tells, it, he, tells us he's going to give it to us. And then... It tells us not to waver in our faith. In other words, have faith that God, God sees all and he can do it better than you. Most of us, if we're honest, if you go to the Lord in prayer, you already have an idea in your mind how you want God to answer that prayer. You think, okay, I'm going to the Lord with this problem. This is my prayer request. But God, I think it would really be a good idea that you would answer it this way. Well, that's a couple, couple problems with that. One, it's arrogant, thinking that we know better than God on how to handle something. And, you know, that's, you know, that's a problem in itself. But two, it's that, there's no faith involved in that because you're trying to dictate to God how to answer that. And you know what? Sometimes God answers it in the way we want. But I don't know about you, nine times out of ten when God answers one of my prayers, he goes around it in such a way I never saw coming, and it was much better than what I had hoped for, much better than what I prayed about. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to ask for anything Maybe you work somewhere and you've had to ask for a budget to do something. And you, 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 you've been given, there's been times when you probably barely got a budget, but then there's been other times when you were given plenty of resources to get the, the job done, but you have to figure out how, how do I spend those resources wisely to do that. So biblical wisdom is better because God directs us in that, and he sees all. See, we see limited, but God sees all and knows all, so he's, he's operating with the whole picture in mind. I don't know about you, but the last two years, I don't think any of us could have pictured all the stuff that was going to happen. I mean, in our school and church, we've had to adapt real, literally daily for a while and then weekly and different things. But none of us could have pictured that or planned that out. But um, God gave different people wisdom on how to solve that. So we see here in this verse that are these verses that God is definitely the source of that wisdom. Um, let's go to next point number two, which is, what God considers the beginning of all wisdom. And I think you'll know these verses. If you'll go over to Proverbs, we're going to be in Proverbs pretty much the rest of the night. But if you go over to Proverbs, starting in chapter 1 and verse 7, and we're going to spend most of our time in Proverbs 2, but I want to read these couple verses first. Proverbs 1, 7, uh, this verse says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Such a simple verse, but if you look at it closely, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But it makes sure it tacks on there, but fools will despise wisdom and instruction. See, you could have the wisdom and instruction, but you could ignore it. When we ignore God's wisdom and instruction, we're setting ourselves up for failure. When we follow God's wisdom and instruction, we're setting ourselves up for success. So we're choosing success or failure based on which way we go with what what um, God has for us. Also, you know, not only just getting the knowledge and the instruction from him, but using it wisely and trusting by faith. Remember that other verse said, let, let us ask away, uh, with faith, not, not wavering, not being double-minded, not being unstable, but knowing that God is, 
is the answer to, to it, has the answer to everything. See, nobody in this world has the answer. We think Google has the answer to everything. And the truth is, you can Google a lot of things, but not all the answers are completely helpful or completely accurate. In fact, if you're like me, most Google things, after you Google it, it says right down below in the thing, was this information helpful? So that tells me they're already thinking, hey, some of this information we just gave you may not even be helpful to you, uh, but you know, we do use Google to get information. But, but God says here that the fear of him is the beginning of knowledge. And again, it's not a fear like I'm scared of God at all times in my life. It's a fear that you have a healthy respect for who God is, and you also understand that your creator is wiser than the creation. It's humbling ourselves to say, God is, is more, my creator is more intelligent than I am, and he's God. And so it sounds like so common sense and so obvious, but I think a lot of times we overlook that. And we take for granted, we have some wisdom that God gives us, but we don't always seek him in every area, and we need to do that. And then the other verse, which is very similar, is Proverbs 9, 9 through 11. I want to look at those three verses, Proverbs 9, 9 through 11. And Proverbs 9, 9 says this, Give instruction to a wise man, he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. And then the next verse in verse 10 says, is very similar to the one we looked at in Proverbs 1-7, but it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy, which is God, is understanding. And then here, just in verse 11, it just, we're going to look at this a little later, but the value, but right now this tells you a little bit of the value of that. For by me or wisdom, thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. Why? Through using God's wisdom. You know, um, and so it says here, both those verses are very similar, but again, in both sections too, they talk about the wise man taking instruction. Uh, in verse 9, it said that if you teach a wise man, he'll get wiser. See, a fool despises instruction. That's what Proverbs tells us. A fool despises instruction because, see, some of God's instruction is correction in our life. And a lot, of, a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, we have a problem with authority and we have a problem with, with correction. Nobody likes to be corrected. I mean, why is there a speed limit? I should be able to drive as fast as I want, right, out on the freeway, as long as my car can handle it and I'm a good driver. Why can't I go as fast as I want to go? Uh, you know, and there's a few places in the world you can do that, like out on the Audubon. U.S., I don't think there's many places you could do that, but, <laughs> but out there. But, you know, we, we like to think, hey, I can, I, I can do what I want. You know, the Bible talks a lot about people doing what's right in their own eyes. That's not using God's wisdom effectively. You know, we have to use God's wisdom so that we can make wise, wise choices as Christians. And, um, you know, I, one of the things about being wise is to, we talked about having a multitude of counselors, there's safety in that, but getting other people's input on it, specifically from a biblical point of view, and then you look it up and say, okay, what does God have to say on that? And then when we apply biblical wisdom, it multiplies in our life. Uh, again, we're setting ourselves up. If we use biblical wisdom, we're setting ourselves up for success. When we don't use biblical wisdom, again, we're setting ourselves up to fail. When we don't do it God's way, it's my, when we say it's my way or nothing, when we say that, we're in, we're in danger as a person, but we're in really in danger as a Christian if we say, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what God has to say on that. I'm going to do it this way because it's always worked for me or something. You know, we have to do what, what God says. Well, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 2. And we're going to stay in there for a minute. We've just looked at a couple introduction verses. 
But those say that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of our knowledge and the beginning of our wisdom. So basically that means knowing, when you say the fear of the Lord, you're talking about knowing who God is. Recognizing that he's your creator, recognizing that you're, he's your savior. And I believe everyone in this room's done that. If you know Jesus as your savior, you've, you've admitted to God that he's your savior and that you, you, you trusted him as your savior so you can go to heaven, right? So once we've done that, that's the beginning. And then in Proverbs chapter 2, um, starting in verse 1, we'll be in there for a little bit, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up the voice for understanding. So let's, let's just take a look in there for, before we go further. He says, if you'll receive his words, in other words, God's words, you'll hide the commandments with me. In other words, you hide God's commandments in you. So we can do that a couple ways. One, we can do it through memorizing scripture. Two, we can by, do it by spending time in scripture. And three, we do it by spending time in prayer and communication with God. But when we'll do that, and he says, in verse two, now look at this word. It says, so thou, that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. You ever had trouble hearing something, so you really leaned in to hear it? Um, you, you know, if you're younger, you probably haven't been through that a lot, but with me, there's many times when I have to lean in and really hear what's going on. Uh, the last two years, we all do it when we're wearing a mask. If you're wearing a mask, you're trying to figure out what the other person's saying. I've had, I've had a, I've had a five-minute conversation, and I probably only picked up two minutes of what they were saying. You know, what are you really saying? What are you saying? Uh, you know, you'll see uh, when you go somewhere to order. You'll see the person even that's taking your order lean in because they can't really hear you. They've got their mask on. They've got a plexiglass shield in front of them. And then you're on the other side with a mask. And they're trying to hear that you want another, a number seven with no onions. And I don't know what they're hearing, but you get something totally different because they couldn't understand what you were ordering, you know. But when we incline our ear, it means we're really paying attention. You know, Pastor tells that story of when his kids were little they take his face and they would, you know, he, they didn't think he was listening, so they take his face and say, look at me. See, when somebody looks, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, my family taught me to look somebody in the eye when you're, when you're talking to them. That shows you're showing interest. But to be honest, let's face it, you could be looking somebody right in the eye and still not be listening to anything they're saying. But, you know, when we, when we, when we incline our ear, it means we're trying to listen. And specifically with the, when we incline to listen, it means we're trying to understand and use wisdom in what we're hearing and what we're talking about. And so uh, paying attention to that. And then he says, and apply thine heart to understanding. See, when your heart is in something, you're, in, you're into it. If you're inclining your ear and you're putting your heart into it, it means you're really sincere about it. And there's some things we all do that with. Uh, usually it's with our family and our loved ones and different close friends and things like that. But the truth is, the Bible says here, you need to incline that ear unto wisdom. Well, where do, where do we already say the source of wisdom is from God? Where's the beginning of wisdom? Well, the fear of the Lord. So as we look at that, he says, if you'll do that and you'll apply thine heart, and then verse 3 goes even further, besides inclining your ear and applying thine heart, in verse 3 it says, if thou criest after knowledge. That means you are hungry for God's word. You're hungry for his knowledge. See, we see it all the time at school. Everybody's like, just like when you were in school, it's the same way. You had your favorite subjects where you wanted to listen to everything the teacher had to say on it, and then you had the subjects they just made you take, and you didn't really want to be in there, but you had to listen to it, 
anyway, and maybe you didn't care so much about learning about it. But when it was your favorite subject, you were all in. Your heart was there. Your ear was. You didn't want to miss a moment of the, what the person was saying or what they're talking about. And you were, and you were there. Uh, but it says to cry out after knowledge and lift us up thy voice for understanding. In other words, what does it mean to lift up your voice? Well, it's talking about lifting your voice up to God and telling him, I want, I want your wisdom and understanding. And, you know, when we say we want something, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about the words like I love you. It's easy to say I love you to anybody. It's easy to say it, but it's an action word, so you prove it by doing stuff that shows that person you really do love them and care about them. And so the same thing's true here. It says if you lift up your voice for understanding and you, and you tell God, and God knows, that you, God knows the desires of our heart anyway, and he knows you desire that, why wouldn't he give it to you? You know, why wouldn't he give it to you? Because he knows you're going to use it. But again, he may give us the wisdom. We may not apply it. In other words, he may give you the wisdom and you do something different than what his wisdom is or what his thing is. Then it's still not going to, it doesn't do you any good to have the information and not use it, right? And so we have to trust God even when it seems foolish. You know, there's times when you trust God and you think, oh, I don't know how this is going to work out, so I'm just trusting him. And it may seem so simple. I thought about when they, when they walked around the walls of Jericho. What a plan, right? Just walk around. Then on the seventh day, walk around seven times and then shout. Well, the wall fell down, didn't it? They got the accomplished the goal, but at the time it had to seem silly. I think about the story of Gideon. He was already outnumbered when he had like 32,000 men. You know the story. God whittled Gideon down to 300 men. He was already outnumbered at 32,000, but God whittled it down to 300, and it really boiled down to which way they drank the water, right? Because the, the way that those 300 drank the water meant they were watching the enemy, they were alert, they had inclined their ear, right? But you think about the plan of Gideon, it made no earthly sense. And you can go on and on with stuff from the Bible about that. You know, you think about Noah and the ark. That make that makes sense to Noah. He's out there. He's building this ark, and it, it took him well over a hundred years. And he's preaching to the people about this. They're making fun of him. They're mocking him. But I guarantee you, when that rain started, they started saying, "Well, that's a, that's a little rain, you know. <laughs> what is this?" And you know, but I mean, you know, they know, it's obvious that nobody took Noah seriously because only people that got into the ark were him and his family. But other people could have been in the ark if they'd have listened to the wisdom of God. But, you know, as we think of these different things, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where it didn't make sense. You know, I think about, um, you know, Moses just being put in the basket in the water. You know, you know and, they put, and they put him in there. But look what became out of that. Moses became the person that God chose to lead the children out of Egypt. You know, when you just think of different Bible stories, and you think about that, but it's not always going to make sense to us, but God says, do you have enough faith to trust me in my wisdom? You have enough, enough, enough trust to go with me. And then, look at verse 4. It goes even further. Besides crying out, uh, for, uh, for, it says, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures. If I said tonight, we wouldn't even be able to finish the service, but if I said tonight, there's $1,000 in $100 bills. They're all here in the auditorium. First person that finds it, it's yours. Well, first of all, you'd be awake if you paid attention. Whoa! $1,000 in $100 bills. 
But you know, you would, you would want to get it. So you'd be looking everywhere and you'd be looking intently. I don't know about you, if I even lose a few dollars, I'm going, where did I put that? It's driving me nuts. I'm looking around for, you know, if I lose a $20 bill, I'm like, what, where did I put that? What's going on? But you know, it says, with God's wisdom, it says, if, you, if you'll honestly seek her like silver and search for her as a hidden treasure, then look at verse, what verse 5 says. Then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, what's the key point? Okay, we already have the source of wisdom, which is God. We have the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of God. But it says here that you'll understand it, and then it says, and you'll find that knowledge. So what do you have to do if you want to find God's knowledge? What do you have to do? You have to seek for it, and you have to desire it, right? You have to seek for that knowledge, and you know you're going to get it from God. So what does that mean? May I have to spend a little more time in my Bible. Maybe I have to spend more time communicating with God. But I'm going to get that wisdom. I'm going to be able to use it. And he says, you're going to find the knowledge of God. Because see, it says in verse 7, way back in chapter 1, verse 7, it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But notice what it said in verse 5. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. So if you want to get wisdom, you're going to understand the fear of the Lord so you can get it. See, understand what it's really about. And then um, in verse 6, it says, for the Lord giveth wisdom, again, confirming the source of wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He lay up, layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Okay, so right away in this, in this passage, in verse 7 it says, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. The righteous are the people that do what's right. How do we, how do we get to be righteous at all? Through God. Right? We get righteous when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and his blood pays for, for my sin. Then I'm right with God. Okay, I'm not perfect, because I'm still a, right now I'm standing before you a sinner, saved by, God, by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, through my faith and trust in him. But, you know, as we look at that, he saves it for the wisdom for the righteous. That would be the, be the people that are right with God. Who can be right with God? Anybody. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So anybody can have that. Anybody can have that. But the people that do get right with God, it says that he lays up wisdom for them. And then it says he's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Um, most of you, I think, know that a buckler was just a small shield. And a lot of times a buckler was the thing that protected uh, your hand in battle, basically your hand and your, your specifically your weapon hands, different things. But it says, God is a buckler to us that will walk uprightly. And then look at verse 8. It says, he keepeth the paths of judgment, and he preserveth the way of his saints. The Bible teaches us that we're saints if we believe in Jesus Christ and we're on our way to heaven. So he says here, he's going to preserve the way of his saints. And it says, you keep the paths of his judgment. Then look what it says in verse 9. It says, then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. See, isn't that what you and I do? We're, when we're going through life, we have path to choose every day, right? You have many decisions. If you're like me, sometimes I'll come home at night and I'll, at night and I'll tell my wife, I am so tired of making decisions. I don't want to make another decision because I've been making decisions all day long. But you know, the truth is, we, make, we, we always think life is only about the big decisions that we make. But the truth is, we make more small decisions than we do big decisions. And a small decision can lead to big consequences. So God says, okay, here's a path. Um, when he says, there's, he keepeth the path of judgment and he preserveth the way of his saints, 
If we use God's knowledge, he'll keep us on the right path. Uh, Pastor quotes often the, the verse out of um, Psalm 119.105 where it says that, we, uh, that his, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. See, that, that's in the scripture. It's, it's telling us this will guide our path. If we'll let God do it, he'll guide us so that, well, it doesn't mean we're never going to fall. It doesn't mean we're never going to fail. It doesn't mean we're never going to stumble. But God says, if you follow my wisdom, I'm going to keep you on the right path. And I'm going to help you as you make decisions in your life. And it um, says here, again, that he preserved the way of his saints. And in verse 9, we talked about, then shall thou understand righteousness, judgment, and equity, yea, every good path. Then verse 10 says, when wisdom entereth into thine heart. Now get that? Remember we talked about knowledge. Knowledge could just be a head knowledge about anything. And I talk about that even for salvation. I talk, I've told you before in my salvation testimony, as long as, from the moment I was born, I was taught that God existed. So I don't think, I, I can't ever think back to a time in my life that I ever thought God didn't exist. But you know what? That's a lot different than having the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I didn't get that until I was 12 years old. When somebody took the time to take the Bible and say, this is how you get saved. You admit that you're a sinner. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you get your free home and, you know, that should get you your home in heaven. See, I knew, I knew about God up here when I was 11, but I was on my way to hell. But when I was 12, I knew God for salvation. And I knew Christ and I was on my way to heaven. So the knowledge went from my head to my heart. And you see in this verse, it says, when wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, it says here, discretion shall preserve thee, and understanding shall keep thee. And when you think about that, you think about wisdom, and you think about its source being God, and you think about the beginning being the fear, but see, God says he'll guide you all along the way. I'm a lot more confident when I do something for the first time, when A, I'm either with somebody that has done it before and they can help me if there's any problems that arise. Or two, what can we do now? We can go on YouTube and get a video for anything, right? <laughs> you want to replace the starter in your car? You YouTube it and you figure out how, how to do it. And then you say, that's not worth it. I'm going to pay the mechanic anyway. I can't get in there and get all those parts. You know, I'm going to pay them anyway. But you know, we, we can go on there. But if we know what to expect and we know what to do, even if it's our first time to do it, then then we're, we're good to go. Long time ago, when I, when I started the part of the job that I'm doing now, the person I took over that job from, I got to spend a few weeks, and you know what? I got a notebook. It was completely blank when I started. Everything that person said, I wrote down. I said, okay, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is how you do this. This is when this needs to be done. This is when you have to do this. And you know what? I wrote a detailed set of notes. And that person told me, and it turned out to be accurate. They said, look, when you first start, he goes, I, I, I knew this person very well. And they said, I can, you can call me anytime." He said, when you first start, you're going to call me every day for the first two weeks. Because you're going to forget something you wrote. Even though you wrote it down, you're going to forget what to do. So you're gonna, for every day, for two weeks, you're going to call me like crazy. And then he said, then pretty soon it'll be once a week. And he said, pretty soon it'll be once a, once a, once a month. And they said, pretty soon you'll never call me again. And you know what? Pretty true. <laughs> I have talked to the person, but not about work, work issues per se. But, you know, I felt confident going into that job because I knew I could fall back on that person. But, see, we don't have, always have that luxury. Sometimes we're doing something and we're just, 
You ever just been winging it? Okay. Nobody really showed me what to do. I had this one job when I was in Bible college, and it was just at a, it was just at a fast food Italian restaurant, uh, but every station I was supposed to be trained on, I should have known not to be there to begin with because every station I was supposed to be trained on, the person had always quit. So they said, oh, there's the chart, here's the manual, figure it out. Well, that was frustrating because then I'd go try to learn that aspect of the job and I never really knew if I was doing it right or not. You know, I just did what I thought was right based on the book, based on the things I had. Then I, they'd move me to another station and, oh, the person that was going to train you isn't here. <laughs> so it's just like, I like, oh, I didn't stay at that job long. Not because of my ability, but because of their ability. I mean, it was just like, okay, if, if they don't have anybody that can show me what to do here, I don't, I don't know what to, to tell them, you know. But it, was just a, it wasn't a job I was going to be in for a long time. But, you know, just knowing that. And God says, I'm going to give you these things. Look what it says here. It says, our discretion will preserve us. Our understanding will keep thee. Well, what's he talking about? God's wisdom and instruction in our life. And I'm not going to go into the whole rest of the chapter, but there's three key things that says that if we do that and apply it, it gives three practical things that it will deliver us from in, in the rest of the passage. In, verse, in verses 12 through 22, it mentions, it mentions a couple things. In verse 12, it says, To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, and leave the path of unrighteous, and so on. So he says that, hey, if you'll learn my wisdom, it'll keep you from having to go through that. Uh, it talks a little bit later about uh, a strange woman in your life, and then it talks later about other things, but it basically tells you, I'll keep you from hanging around with the wrong crowd. I'll keep you from making the mistakes you would have made if you'd have hung out with them. I tell the kids here at school when I do chapel, there were kids in my school that I knew when I grew up, if I hung around with those kids, by the end of the day I was going to be in trouble. But there was also a group of kids that I said, I knew if I hung around those kids, I wouldn't be in trouble at the end of the day, and the day would have gone much better. But you know what? As a human being and as a sinner by nature, there were times I picked the wrong friends, and I shouldn't have done that. But a big thing. But God says, if you'll apply my wisdom, it'll keep you from a whole bunch of unpleasantness in your life. And I don't know about you, that's good to me, right? <laughs> when you can get unpleasantness from your life, that's joyful to us as a Christian, and we can rest in that. And so let's, that kind of launches me into our final point tonight, and that's number three. So we've seen the source, God. The beginning, which is the fear of God, is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Lastly, let's look at a little bit at the value of wisdom in our lives. Now, you might think, well, that's self-explanatory. I, I, it just makes sense that wisdom will give me value. But the, thing, the, the great thing about God is he lists specifics in Scripture. One of the things that I'm thankful to God for, every human example you see in Scripture, whether it's one of the best Christians you can think of in Scripture or one of the worst characters in the Bible that you could imagine, you know, one of the bad kings or somebody like that, or Goliath or somebody like that. But it gives us their, it gives us, even the people that are great Christians, it gives us a spotlight on their successes and their failures. You know, Mike just preached on Sunday about Acts chapter 2, about the day of Pentecost, and he talked about, like, how great a job Peter did there. But, you know, there's nobody more transparent in the Bible than when you hear about Peter. I mean, he was quick to lose his temper. He was quick to, really, to, I, I don't know if I'd say it this way, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he was, he was very, um, he would go against what God would say to him. He would just say outright, that's not going to happen, God. He would tell God that was not going to happen. 
uh, from everything when he denied him, denied him and all those kind of things. But, you know, we think of the night Jesus was arrested. Peter was quick to cut off the, you know, cut off the soldier's ear there. But God immediately restored that ear. But, you know, you think of where the apostles came from and where they ended up after they saw the death, burial, and resurrection, and then the, the, the 40 days where Christ showed himself on earth, and then when he ascended back up into heaven, that's what empowered those apostles to live for God and to do what he had commanded them to do. Um, you know, there's a passage in the Bible that says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What that means is you could be walking through your life trying to be more religious or more church-going or however you want to put it in whatever terms, but we deny the power of God that is at our disposal. See, we, 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 we go through and we know these things, but we even know they're true stories, but sometimes we think stuff like, oh, he could never work, God would never work that way today. I don't know about you, but every salvation is a miracle of God. I mean, to, to see a person change from the moment they get saved and then as they grow in their Christian walk, it's a miracle. Think of your own life, what God's done in your life. I'm going to just be honest with you and transparent tonight that God can use me, a wicked sinner at all, is amazing. It's amazing to me that God could use me at all to do anything for his kingdom. But the great thing about God's plan is he allows us to be a part. See, God doesn't need my money but he wants me to tithe so I can have a blessing. See, God doesn't need me to proclaim the gospel because he, he says, if, it were, if I'm silent, the rocks will cry out, but yet God chooses to use me. You know, God, God you know, just in every aspect, from worship to different things, God will use us. And he chooses to use man for, for that purpose. And so... Uh, it's just exciting. So let's look at the value here. And you're already in Proverbs 2. Just go over to Proverbs 3, starting in verse 13. And we'll look at some of the specific value of having wisdom in our life. And it's, you know, wisdom just makes sense that you'd, you'd have value. But look at this. It says in verse 13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. I don't know about you, but do you like to be happy? I do. I love being happy. I love to be around, I love to be around people that are happy. But he says here, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. So if something's going to make you happy, doesn't that mean you should go for it? You should do what God tells you to do so you could have his wisdom so that you could find happiness in things. And it says, the man that getteth understanding. Then look how it describes it. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Do you remember what it said back in the other passage? It said we had to search for it like we were looking for treasure, right? But he says, oh, when you find it, when you find wisdom, it's better than any of those things. And then it says in verse 15, she is more precious, wisdom is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her, unto wisdom. And now look what it says. We, we read this in the other passage too in Proverbs 9, 11, but it also says here in verse 16, Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. You say, well, I've sought after God's wisdom. I'm not rich here on this earth. No, but you're rich in eternity, aren't you? You have a home in heaven that we don't deserve. You know, we have, we inherit whatever Christ, you know, everything is his. And he, by being a, a son of the father, 
we inherit that as well. So we are rich. And then we talked about um, verse um, 13, about happiness. In verse 17, it says, Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. I don't know about you, but I could use happiness, I could use pleasantness, and I could use peace in my life. How do we get peace? We seek after God's wisdom. And it says here, She is a tree of life to them that lay a hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. I don't know about you, but there's not many things that make all of us. Like if I got something that made me happy, it might not be something that makes you happy. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of odd. I, I, like to collect, uh, I like to collect Coca-Cola memorabilia. Okay, I, I like to collect it. So when I find something, it's, it's awesome to me. But to you, it would be like, that's dumb. I don't even care about that. But to me, it's, it's something that is kind of neat. But it says here, it says that in this verse that happy is everyone that retained her. There's nobody that's got wisdom and used it from God and said, man, I'm real disappointed in that. I thought it'd be better than that. I don't know about you, but when you look to get something, do you ever look at the reviews? Or maybe even to stay somewhere in a hotel or to use some service and you look at the reviews. You're never going to find something where all the reviews say it's great. You got this person where, eh, it was average. Oh, this person, you know. But it says here that everybody's happy um, in, with that. And then in verse 19, it says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. And then it says, By his knowledge, the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. I think God threw in this little part of these couple verses to remind us that he's how great he is and that he's our creator and that he has more wisdom than us. See, how, how old were you when you truly valued your parents' wisdom? I mean, when you're a kid, you think you know more than your parents, right? This is kind of how I see the cycle go with kids. When they're young, like my grandkids, they think I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm the greatest grandpa. There's nothing, I'm like perfect, right? But they get a little older, and they start seeing my, some of my flaws. Well, maybe grandpa's not the greatest at that. You know, maybe there is somebody that can actually do something better than him, you know? My grandson used to, when he was, my grandson Silas, when he was like two or three, um, his mom sent me a video, and they were in a store, and he's pointing out toys, and he's going, Grandpa made that for me. Grandpa made that for me. Well, the truth is, I didn't make any of the toys, and I don't know where to begin to make a toy. But, you know, he thought that's what he thought. But then as you get a little older, you get into the teen years. So you guys that have teenage kids, God bless you. <laughs> but we all were that way. When we were teenagers, we thought we knew more than our parents. But then at some point, when you become an adult and you get out on your own, even for the first time, you start thinking, no, mom and dad did know a couple things. But you know what? The truth is, you and I, we've never did anything perfect in our life. But we know that if we tell our kids our mistakes, they can realize that this is why I tried this. I made this mistake. I don't want you to have to go through the agony of pain of that. Well, God's the same way with us, just on a grander scale. He's saying, look, you guys are adults, but you're having to go through this. But I can help you through it. I have the knowledge to get through it. But see, sometimes, just like a child doesn't always value the wisdom of their parents till they're older, um, the truth is we don't value God's wisdom until we're, we've been a Christian a long time sometimes. And we don't, we don't value it like we should. And um, it says here in verse 
so in verse 19 and 20, it just tells us how great the Lord is. And then verse 21, it says, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. See, God's things are life unto my soul and your soul. See, this flesh I have on, it's mortal and it's going to die and it's going to go in the ground. But my soul is going to live forever, be thanks to Jesus Christ. And it says here, it says that um, it's going to be life unto your soul, wisdom is, and it's going to be grace to thy neck. And look at verse 23. Then shall thou walk in thy way safely, thy foot shall not stumble. You ever tripped over nothing? I've done it many times. Just walking across the stage and all of a sudden, whoa, you know. Nothing was there for me to trip on, I just tripped. One time, uh, when I was in high school, I was a cross-country runner. And I remember one time, I'm, I'm running in this race, and you know the, how the banning winds are. In this particular race, there was a wind like that. And all that happened was the wind pushed one leg into the other, and I went tumbling down just over and over. I was so embarrassed. Everybody just see me fall, and I really, there was nobody beside me. Nobody could have pushed me. Nobody could do anything, but I just fell. But I don't know about you. I like a safe way to go. I like being able to see where I'm going. I like to have light, whether it's a night light or the light on my phone. I use that a lot of times so I can see where I'm going. But I want a safe way to do it, too. And God says, if you use wisdom, you'll walk in his safety, and your foot won't stumble. Then verse 24 says, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Thou thou shalt lie down. And look what it says here. Thy sleep shall be sweet. Nothing's better than when you can lie down and go right to sleep without any stress, without any thinking. Uh, if you're like me, you lay down, you're physically exhausted, you lay down, you go to close your eyes, and your brain says, let's play this game. Do you remember this? And then next thing you know, your mind's in about 20 different directions, and you're scattered, and you're like, all I want to do is get a dis- decent night's sleep. God says, if you use my wisdom, he says, when you lie us down, you won't be afraid, because you did it God's way. You won't be fear what man's going to do to you. You won't fear what the outcome's going to be. You'll know that you did it God's way, and you're putting your faith and trust in God to do that. And then he says, thou shall lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Nothing's better than when you can lie down, just go right to sleep without a care or anything in the world. You know those little, a lot of our staff, they work with the preschoolers. They still have to take naps, the three- and four-year-olds. Now, I will tell you this right now, they don't all take a nap, okay? But some do. When they're three years old, they tend to take a nap more. When they're four years old, not so much. But what they don't realize is when they're our age, they're all going to want that nap that they missed out in preschool. You know, why didn't I take those naps? I could be rested. But God says here, you'll be rested. And again, I get it's not talking about just physical rest, but physical rest is a byproduct of God's wisdom. Doing it his way, you know, walking honest in his sight, you know, doing, uh, keeping, a, you know, not going to bed angry, keeping, a, you know, not having, not having things between us as brothers and sisters in Christ, confessing our sin one to another, telling each other we're sorry, acknowledging those things. When you do that, you're still, you're still a sinner and you're still not perfect, but when you do it God's way, it gives you perfect peace and rest. The Bible talks about it uh, 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 just beyond even understanding the kind of rest we get from God. And then, you know, as we kind of close out here with, with that verse, with verse 24, where it says, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. But we could go on further. Verse 25, it says, be not afraid, and then it goes right on down the line. But in verse 26, it says, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. I don't know about you, but that's good confidence in the Lord. 
See, if, you follow me, if you're following me, if I trip and fall, what's going to happen to you? If you're right behind me, you're going to trip over me, right? But if we're following God, he keeps us on the right path. And I don't know about you, I know this was just a short little study on wisdom, but there's so much of it. And obviously, Proverbs is a place to go for it. But as you look at God's wisdom, it's different than man's wisdom. See, men have wisdom and women in different areas. But God says, I have a wisdom that passes all of that. You want to be successful? You want to have peace? You want to have happiness? You want to have joy in your life? Follow my wisdom and you'll have it. Hopefully something tonight will give you a good challenge out of there. I know it did me. When I study to give a message, it gives me, man, I'm challenged in so many areas of my life, I don't even know where to begin. But it's, it's, it's comforting to know that our Savior cares about that, us that much. Our Savior and our Creator cares about us so much that he wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to have uh, safety. He wants us to, 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 he wants what's the best. You think of how much you want for your kids and your family and all those kind of things. God wants that even more for us than we can even, even imagine. Uh, I was, I'll close with this, but I was laughing. We were, the things you hear in the volleyball van, but you know, we're riding to the game yesterday and they were, we were talking about one particular one particular student that was in the van, she's like, she didn't want infection of any kind. And she said, she said, when, uh, when I have kids, I'm not going to be that affectionate towards them. And I, I'm thinking in my head, and I'm sure the other staff members that were in the van were thinking the same thing. Yeah, you just wait until you have a baby and you lay your eyes on your own child for the first time. You will have show affection towards that child. And by the way, that's, that particular student is not because they're not a loving person. It's just... They, they couldn't understand why. Why does a parent kiss their child right all the time and all that kind of stuff? Well, the truth is, when you have your own children, you, could, you understand that. But the love of our Father is greater than even that, which is exciting. Well, let's pray tonight, and then we'll close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all you do for us. And Lord, we, we are thankful that you care about your creation so much. In fact, the Bible says a couple things. It says you're no respecter of persons. And it says that you don't, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That tells me that you love every person you created the same. They all have the same opportunity to come to know you as Lord and Savior. But we all know the truth of the matter is many people will reject you. And Lord, oh, what they could have, what we have, where there's no sting in our death. Lord, we have eternal life in heaven to look forward to. And Lord, you want that for everybody, but not everybody will take that. But Lord, help us to, to look and search for your wisdom like the scripture tells us to. To search diligently for your wisdom. Lord, when we do that, you'll give it to us, the Bible says. James 1.5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. Lord, we praise you for that, that you care about us enough to do that. We love you. We pray for each need that we've talked about tonight. Lord, I pray for Pastor. Continue to strengthen his lungs, encourage him, and be with our whole church family and the needs they have. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me just remind you, don't forget, um, on Saturday, we're, they're, they're doing that 100th uh, birth, uh, birthday celebration for Dorothy Worthington. So if you want to get the Zoom code for that and beyond that, um, you can do that at, through the office. Also, uh, Brother Mike's going to be here at 3 o'clock Saturday. For those of you that knew Dorothy, she was in our church for a long time. She moved up north to be with her family. But not too many times you get to tell somebody happy 100th birthday. Uh, so let me encourage you, encourage you to do that. But have a good night. God bless you.